This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Matthew. Matthew 6. Verse 9. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Let's go back to verse 5. Just And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the Pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you just be with us today. And Lord, help us to learn what you want to teach us this morning. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, we talked about last week, is uh, that Jesus is going to tell us um, the why to pray. Now, the, the obvious answer of why to pray is the disciples ask the question how they should pray, but the disciples see something in Jesus, I believe, that creates this longing for them. Hey, how do I connect with God? How do I do this in a way that um, I want to live like you, Jesus? And so I believe Jesus modeled a life that, that really uh, created a, uh, people's hunger to be like that. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's just really close to the Lord. It's like, man, I want to be like that. I want to respond like that. I want to do that. But, Lord, you know, I haven't. I'm not there. And, and I believe Jesus uh, was the epitome. He, worked, he lived a perfect life. He was fully human. And uh, he lived a life where the disciple says, I want that. And so Jesus begins to talk. We know we just read in, in verse 5 and 6. Uh, tell us, you know, what not to do, you know, not to, to uh, be flamboyant about it, not to try to get the praises of men. Uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I love all that. And that's a really challenge for us in social media world, not to let everybody know what we're doing for Jesus. And I talked last week about the, the mission, mission trip selfie stick. Now, I'm not going to say, uh, anyway, so I have some family members that have traveled and it's and I was, I was wondering, you know, is this a trip, is it about Jesus or is it about you? And, um, and, I, and I gave that person a hard time a little bit. But we're all young and we've all done that. But last week we talked about um, 
Our Father, we talked about his presence is our reward as a church. You might hear us say that. Your presence is our reward. And when we pray, we, we really are invoking God's presence, Lord. And it's not that he's not here. And that's another thing. I know sometimes worship uh, leaders, not ours, but sometimes worship leaders will misquote it, the Psalms. Um, like, if, if we will praise you enough, you'll show up. And that's not the case. He's already here. I think what we do is if we put ourselves in the correct posture, we'll be aware of his presence. And so uh, the only thing, I can, the analogy I can think of is that there's radio waves right now in this room. And, but if, if you dial in to the right number, 100.7 or 97.9 is a sports channel, uh, you're going to get connected, right? And so it's not that uh, God's not here and we have to somehow muster up enough uh, energy for us to attract his attention and then he'll, he'll swoop in with his presence. That's not how it works. Because um, God is here. It's really putting ourselves in a posture, in a position, a dialing in, if you will, to recognize his presence. And that's a beautiful thing when everybody's dialing in at the same time to the same station. You know, if all of you were just separate radios, you know, and, and you're dialing in one station, somebody else is dialing another station, it would be a little chaotic. But when everybody dials in into uh, saying, God, I want to, to know you, I want to, to be near you, I, your presence is our reward, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so uh, the very first thing is that our Father, and Lavella mentions about maybe this connotation of Father. I really, um, you know, my father's still alive, and um, I just uh, appreciate my dad. He was not a perfect dad in any ways. Uh, you, if you've been here long enough, you've, you've heard me share about um, his issues that he had with, with anger. I remember he was incredibly tough uh, with discipline. I remember being afraid of my dad at age 12. I remember being afraid of my dad from coming home from work. And we had a dog. And um, it's like the parrot, you know, in the uh, canary in the cave. And, you know, so I would send my dog. And all depends on how he would treat my dog is I know if I can approach my dad. If he, you know, just ignore the dad or just kind of shoot it away, then I would just go hide somewhere. Um, and so that was kind of my connotation, my... my uh, understanding of, of the word father, but the Lord has helped me um, and to, to look at my dad differently, not based on what he did, but how God sees him and uh, how I see my heavenly father. And so there's a, I, I pray that uh, there's, it's obvious, that's what I'm praying for, but I know that there's been a transition in how I see my father, my earthly father, because I see him now through my heavenly father's Lenses, if you will. So it's our Father. And the other thing we talked about is that we have to really, really uh, understand that um, that prayer is here. Again, prayer is foundational and fundamental, a part of being a Christian. How can you be a good Christian? How can you have this relationship with God when if you don't have this communication? And that's a wonderful thing that God is willing to communicate with us. The God of this create, uh, God of the Creator. The creator of this universe wants to communicate with us. He wants to reunite. He wants to bring that, uh, that redemption of him and his creation. 
And so when he says our father, uh, we have to fight the concept of just me, me and I. It's our father. So when you pray, he doesn't say my father, but I understand why some people would say my father. Our father. In some ways, it's like including us as the family. Our father. It's, it's saying that it's not just about me. It's about our, his, his, his followers, his followers, his, his family. And so I just wanted to talk about, just reiterate from last week, you know, what we talked about as far as our father. We go with him in reverence, and we come to him with uh, an understanding that, that um, he is to be honored and revered, but we are to go to him, our Father, which art in heaven. Holy is your name. Revered, holy is your name. And so now we're gonna go to the second part, is, which to me is incredible. It says this, hallowed be your name, for your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, what do you think? And you don't, just answer in your head. What do you think he meant by that? So what you and I have to do is like, Lord, what, why are you saying this? And who are you saying this to? Now, you have to understand, he is, his audience, original audience, was not us. We might have a picture of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean to the, the followers of Jesus? I will tell you this, that a typical Jewish person understood that there is a big picture going on. Sometimes we, as Gentiles, we don't get that big picture. But there's a big picture going on, and the disciples recognize, as good Jewish students, if you will, were recognizing that Jesus was talking about something about this big picture. In the beginning was the creation and that was part of the big picture. And then it, and after the creation, it was uh, about the temple. And so there was the building of the temple. So Jesus is talking about this big picture, drawing a picture. And then uh, later on, the nation of Israel. And then later on, we're going to find out as we know this, is uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there's this backdrop that a lot of us, and myself included, would miss that this is what the hearers understood. So when Jesus says, uh, when he says here in the scriptures, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the word kingdom, automatically, they have some pictures, they have a, a backdrop that maybe a few of us, if not all of us, miss. There's creation, there's the temple, there's the nation of Israel, and now the human body. And there's this big picture. And so when Jesus talks about your kingdom come, uh, they understood that, uh, that God has this big picture, uh, he's drawing this big picture, and somehow this is all going to be married together. It's all going to be married together. And a lot of times if we're not careful, we think that heaven is just somewhere that's way out there, and Earth is way over here, and there's this big chasm going on, and Jesus is going to try to, to try to bring that picture into clarity. And we're going to see by God's grace, he's going to try to bring a union from heaven and earth. 
Again, hallowed be your your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's just something that's going on. Now, when Jesus talks about kingdom, the, 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 the disciples thought, I, I, let me just read Matthew chapter 3. Repent, for your kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, later on, it says in Matthew 4.17, uh, right after Jesus' temptation. From that time, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's something about heaven that we might have a picture that it's way out there. But Jesus is saying it's right here. It's not over there, it's right here. And that's a shift for many of us. Look what it says in Mark 1. Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so when they say it's right here, there's another backdrop that the disciples would understand that maybe we miss. The kingdom of God is right here. It's at our hand. It's right here. We can touch it. Now, you, we don't have time, nor am I going to read it, but Daniel chapter 2 would come to mind to a very good Jewish student. And this is the, the prophecy Daniel is trying to, to, um, to interpret for the king. And you remember, it's the statue that had, you know, made of bronze and gold. And, but at the very end of the... The prophecy that Daniel is, you know, interpreting, and it says in verse 4 of chapter 2, and as you looked, a stone was cut out of no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, a good Jewish student would think of Daniel chapter 2, and Daniel chapter 2 talks about this vision. And then there's a stone that no man had made has come, and he's going to crash this image. And it says that the silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, so no trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So when Jesus says, your kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're thinking, the stone is coming to destroy. And it makes sense because we've, done, we've shared this story many a times where the, the, the Jewish people were tired of the Roman Empire and they wanted a new kingdom and they wanted Jesus to be their king. We've done this on Palm Sunday. Every, every Palm Sunday we talked about Hosanna. They were looking for liberation that the stone would come and crush the Roman Empire. And as he's sharing this, that is what's going on in their heads. Long time. And matter of fact, we probably feel that way too. Jesus, come now. We're tired of this. But listen, back when, uh, when I think of Ezekiel, we think God himself will come to shepherd Israel. So the stone is going to come. In Zechariah, God will come to all the saints and be with him. In Malachi, the Lord whom ye seek suddenly comes to his temple. In Isaiah, there will be a highway through the wilderness. And so when the, the disciples hear that thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and they hear him throughout this, you know, these times that the kingdom of God is at hand, they have this backdrop picture that God is coming with this stone and he's going to crush the government. He's going to crush this, the kingdoms of this world. And so they know that 
prophecy was being fulfilled while Jesus was saying it right in front of them. But what does it mean for, for God to be king on this earth? What does it mean for Israel's God to return as king? And that is something that we have to begin to, to grapple with. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean to us as listeners? And some of the things that we can do is kind of figure out what it meant for those who were listening for the first time. What does it mean if God comes to earth? Now, I think of Isaiah chapter 52. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, and who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your God reigns. And so when Jesus says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, all bunch of pictures start popping in their heads. What does this mean? The stone's going to come and it's going to crash, uh, crush the government. Uh, all these things that Jesus is now going to be ushered in as our king. And then they begin to think, well, if he's going to be the king, then the Roman people and the Roman empire is going to be gone. And that's what they were looking for. They no longer wanted to be under the foot of the Roman government. They wanted to put their foot on the Roman's neck, the Roman government's neck. And Jesus is going to really just toss, toss that out the window. I'm trying to go as quick as possible. And so G they all thought this was going to be a national liberation or, or a political liberation. And a lot of times we have troubles thinking about that. Excuse me. Get my water. Let me just pause for a second. Thank you for, uh, I've been sick since uh, like Thursday morning and got really sick. And um, today's the first time I felt good, so thank you, Jesus, for healing my body just in time. Jesus made it clear that his kingdom is a kingdom that will be established on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that upon his return, we say this, that he is coming back to rule the earth. But right now, Jesus says, your kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. Now, I don't have time for us to talk about how we've been influenced uh, throughout the centuries. Of we, we have our own backdrop. And, and maybe if you wanted to, you can call me or text me or email me. We could talk about this backdrop that we struggle with and I know that I struggle with. But what is God going to do? What is he talking about? What's he going to be like if, if we're saying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so in Matthew chapter 20, the backdrop to these verses is, is uh, Jesus' disciples beg Jesus to have John. Look, this is, you remember this in Matthew chapter 20, 20 uh, verse 20, verse 25. That Jesus' uh, mother, excuse me, that James' mom and John went to the disciples and begged Jesus to have John and James to sit on the right hand and the left of the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus says. See, that's what they thought the kingdom was going to be like. He's going to come, and the disciples are going to help rule the earth. And so the mother comes and says, hey, who's going to sit at your right side? Who's going to be your right-hand man? Who's going to be your left-hand man? Let it be my sons. And Jesus rebukes this kind of understanding. And he says, Jesus tells them, it's not for me to choose, but it's the Father to choose. Jesus' right and left side of the kingdom was when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus tells John, look what he says in James, this cup you will not be able to drink. You will not be able to drink. Because if you think like that, you're thinking like the Gentiles. 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's going to be this marriage that God is talking about that he wants to have. It is happening. And so now we have to respond like, what does that mean? What is my role in this? And it's not for, for me to take power so I can have power over someone. One of the biggest challenges in our church, especially here, I would say in America, that we think if we just get enough power, we can change things. If we just get enough power, if we could just tell people, if I could just make an edict and tell them to be good, they're going to be good. If I could just tell, if I could just somehow get into the public school system, and if with my authority and with my power, I'll be able to change the public school system. And I think what it is, it's really a, a, a deception. It's a, a lure of power. And the disciples were lured by that. They wanted power. They wanted to be in charge. And I'm sure they had good intent, like all of us do, to have good intent. But Jesus says, hey, I've got something different in mind. When I think of Jesus, when he says, uh, when thy kingdom come, thy will be done, I think of Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you were here long enough in our church 12 years ago, we shared about Matthew 5. But this is the, the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Hey, if you want... Uh, to change the world, follow the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who... When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they will be persecuted, the prophets, if, if they were persecuted, the prophets uh, who were before you. Jesus is saying, listen, this marriage of heaven and earth is going to happen now. It's happening now because of Jesus. And, it, and we're not going to change the world through power. We're not going to change the world through having all this authority and somehow, somehow people are just going to bow their knee. No, this is how it's going to happen. I want you to begin to change the way you live your life, through, only through Christ. That when you become a believer, then you begin to live a life that is poor in spirit, that you live a life that mourns, that you live a life that's meek, that you live in a life that's hunger and thirst for righteousness. And through a, a group of people who truly seek God and truly want to marry heaven and earth, because you know what? Heaven is a place of peace. Heaven is a place of joy. Heaven is where righteousness happens. Heaven is where mercy happens. Heaven is where there's a purity of heart, and God wants to marry that with us right now. He wants us. So all these words that we just read in Matthew chapter 5 express the mindset and the heart and the character of our king. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is trying to change their disciples' mindset. 
One of the things that we have to have another big uh, painting in our backdrop of our minds is that um, heaven is not, doesn't just happen when we die and we go to some far location and then those things happen. Heaven has been brought down to earth through Jesus. Heaven has been brought down to earth through Jesus. Now, I understand we're broken vessels, and I understand we live in a broken world, and I understand that brokenness happens. People get sick. A year ago, my second niece, grandniece, I don't know which one it is, but she came down really sick with this encephalitis. You know, we live in a broken world. But how do we marry, how do we live a kingdom life when something like that happens? And I believe that's where the church can rise up and be a testimony to this community of ours. Is that we can have a heart of peace. We can have a heart of mercy. We can have a heart of, of joy. I'm not saying happiness because it's not a happy thing for that to happen. But somehow that we can find peace. And if we can't, then we ask for prayer. So, Lord, give me peace. It's hard for me to understand why my niece, his daughter, is struggling with this pain. That's brokenness, poverty of spirit. And so here's our opportunity when we live life and life happens, we have the opportunity to live as though we're in heaven. And I believe that will be attracting to those who don't know Jesus. Not by mandate, not by power, but by a posture of grace, of saying, God, I'm here to serve. And Jesus talks about that. Who are the greatest in the kingdom? Those who are willing to serve. So how does it affect us? How does it affect us? This prayer is for, I believe, believers. Jesus did not only teach his disciples to pray, but he lived out his prayer. And God is calling us to be ambassadors. God is calling you to be an ambassador. An ambassador of healing. And I'm going to pray that the Lord will help us to be ambassadors. Representative of the king. That we could live a heaven kingdom life now. A forgiveness of sins. That's why when we don't forgive people, that is not kingdom living. It's not kingdom living. I heard one person tell me, well, God understands. Like, yeah, but he wants the best for you. And so that's why we need to forgive. The unforgivable. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I, I just shared the message of Jonah again uh, at Teen Challenge, and they asked me to do that. And when God asked Jonah to go to the Ninevites, to preach the gospel, that was not easy. You know, the analogy I used, it would be like asking Martin Luther King Jr. to go preach at some KKK rally. That's not easy. Why? Because you're, you're probably going to die. And I'm sure Jonah was going to, thinking about dying. Or what we talked about, the Ninevites didn't deserve mercy. They, didn't, they were uh, horrible people, but God saw that, and he desired for, for grace and mercy and forgiveness to happen to an undeserving people. 
And we have to forgive the unforgivable because he's done it in our own lives. And so forgiveness is kingdom living. Healing is kingdom living. Justice is kingdom living. Unity is king. Freedom is kingdom living. Freedom from always wanting to have power is kingdom living. Servanthood is kingdom living. Loving people is kingdom living. Living holy lives is kingdom living. And that's why God wants us to do that, because heaven and earth has been, has been married through Jesus Christ. It's, it's not way over there. It's here now. It's at hand. Jesus brought kingdom living to our world. While the rule of this world behaves one way, you are to behave another way. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus taught us through his example of his life, serving the Father in humility, loving the Father, serving the Father by bringing forth the love of the Father to a hurting world. And we need to be his ambassadors. So when Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is his will, is for us to live according to his plan. That we would live heavenly life here on earth. So this morning I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us. Which mindset are we, are we grappling with? Are we saying, Lord, I want to live according to your will and your plan? Or, Lord, I want to, I want to, be, I want to have power. I want to have prestige. I want to, have, I want to be the, the, uh, the top dog. I don't, I don't want to serve. I want people to serve me. And Jesus says, that's not how we're going to change this world. That's not how we're going to change this family. That's not how you're going to change your world. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'd like for us just to pause, just bow our heads, and just, just begin to ask God, Lord, help me. Is there areas in my life that I'm not living a heaven kingdom life? And when we're not living a heaven kingdom life, it brings confusion to our own life, to those around us. So we come to you, Father, we, we use the, the template of your prayer that you taught your disciples. We come to you as our Father, not just me, but Lord, I pray for all of us. Our Father, chart in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are holy and just and good and kind. You are love. Your kingdom, your kingdom, not my kingdom, your kingdom, not world idea of kingdom, your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done, not my will. Lord, let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we say thank you for that opportunity to be your ambassadors. Lord, thank you for giving Jesus so that we could have this relationship with you. That we know that only 
all this happens through Jesus. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, I pray for Mosaic Church that we would live kingdom lives, heavenly lives here on earth. And Lord, that we wouldn't settle for anything else. For your glory as we're your ambassadors. And Lord, we know this world will change through your spirit. Not an earthly spirit, but a heavenly spirit. A Holy Spirit that will reunite your creation. I say, Father, help us. Help me. Help me how I interact with my wife. How do I interact with my family? How do I interact with my church family? How do I interact with uh, outside the church? The friends that I have that are not believers. Lord, I pray, God, that I would live a, a kingdom heavenly life. And Lord, that that would would be a draw to those around me to know more about you, to love you, and to serve you. We say thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'd like for us to finish our time maybe uh, reciting the, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer. If we could, let's just stand or we're going to finish our time. Let's just start with here's our Father. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.